Sunny morning. It's going to be hot, but we got a, a uh, AC, so praise God. That's right. But uh, if you want to stand up, we'll we'll start off while we're here praising God here for God. Thank you for always being there for us, always being with us, and knowing that you're always on our side. 
through heartache, through joy. Um, you're always with us, God, so just pray through everything, good or bad, that we lean into you more each day, and that as we're here today, as we're listening to your word, uh, we just have ears to hear it, God, to hear how you're speaking to our lives. Um, so we pray for Leonard, uh, for uh, his communication to put uh, put onto us what you've put onto him. Just help us grow, God. We love you. We praise you. We praise you for good reports of um, testing. Um, and we praise you that we can be here and uh, while going through hard times, God. Uh, so we love you, and we lift this time up to you. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's so good to see you all this morning. Hope everybody's doing well. And people online, hopefully you guys are doing well. Also, um, if you watch uh, YouTube from today, uh, one thing you will discover is that you are being beta tested. Do you know what that means? It's not a marketing ploy. It just means that uh, we've uh, installed a new camera that does some pretty cool things as far as how it how it captures all of this stuff and probably it's a little too personal I don't know hopefully it doesn't zoom in too far but um, it's uh, it really is a, a, a big jump from what we had before and I want to thank uh, Connor Jones especially uh, he and Brian put this together it's a system and uh, they've really done a fantastic job uh, making this a better um, way to communicate, I guess. Uh, we're moving from the 20th century with our old camera to the 21st century, so I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be a benefit. Uh, but all that aside, uh, I want to start off with our prayer concerns or praises that anybody may have this morning, and uh, if you have them uh, uh, online, please uh, uh, let us know, text, uh, IM, whatever the case may be. Uh, we want to share in that. Uh, so this morning, uh, let's just start off with gratitude, because I think we need to be thankful despite what I would call a moment of COVID crazy. I don't know how else to say it. It's got its own rules. Anybody thankful for anything? <laughs> Debbie's like, I I'm thankful. You, you are just getting started, I can tell. Oh, that's so good, for sure. Yeah, and hopefully that sentiment prevails within, within the room here. Um, it's nice to look up into the sky and see blue skies. I know that, uh, you know, airplanes tend to create a lot of um, cloud cover, and uh, it's nice to not have that for a change. But I know that's an indicator that we are living in a strange moment, for sure. Um, I would just like to expand on it a little bit more. Anybody else have anything that's welling up in your heart today? Yeah, Joe Carroll. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We have a number of shut-ins in nursing homes and places that um, are a way of quarantining from what's prevailing and uh, it's really hard for them because they don't really have the ability to interact like uh, we take for granted even within our own limitations so uh, grateful that God is being an encouraging voice uh, in Peg's life yeah Joe Carroll uh-huh Okay, uh, Case Watson being another one uh, who's been struggling as well and uh, has overcome uh, uh, COVID-19, and so we're grateful for that. Um, anyone else? Okay, anything that you're struggling with or any prayer concerns? I, I know that um, uh, Jack Leeper is going to be having uh, surgery on Wednesday uh, for an aorta issue, so pray for Jack. Uh, I know that one of our elders, um, Rich Capel and his wife, Adrian, 
had a nine plus pound boy uh, this week. So can you imagine? So I'm just thinking, I'm fast forwarding a little bit and thinking, what's the food bill going to be like in that household? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, but congratulations to those guys. Uh, that's such a, a blessing and answer to prayer. Uh, any, anything else that you have? God's grace. Yeah. Uh, we're going to expand on that a little bit today in the message, but I, I think that that is something that uh, is a privilege uh, that we want to share. It's an open privilege for everybody. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. So we're just getting started here. <clears throat> I, I, I didn't quite hear you. Your friend Mark, I, 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 total knee replacement, okay. So I'm sorry for not being able to hear very well. Uh, so your friend Mark, total knee replacement. Uh, Lee Holhottle is having a hip replacement on Thursday, so pray for Lee as well. Um, okay. I, anyone else? Okay, Robin? That is the beauty of living under his domain and his kingdom. We pray for our daily bread, and he provides in ways that the economy of the world can't account for. Yeah, Joe Carroll. <laughs> for sure. All right. Now, if you know Joe and Liz... And <laughs> what that statement means, that is, that is quite, a, quite, a, quite a breakthrough. That's cool. I want to pray for my friend Doug, whose uh, uncle passed away last week. And uh, you have a brother, Jeff, in the hospital as well, who's in pretty serious shape. Uh, so we want to keep him lifted up. Okay, well, let's leave it at that, and then let's, let's just take all of this before the Lord, shall we? Father, as we gather in this room and we imagine the unseen realities that define our faith, that really are behind that curtain, waiting to be unveiled on that great day, we thank you, Father, that your angels are gathered around your throne. Even as we worship, they are worshiping you. And in combination, the effect of that is a way of expressing praise and glory to your name. And also in that unseen realm, we know that darkness is trying to prevail. And in ways that reveal the weaknesses of society and even our own shortcomings. In this moment, we see a lot of things are just being opened up and laid bare. And in that unveiling, Father, we know that we have a hope in one who has overcome the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we are grateful, Father, that as we gather in this room that our own sins and our own shortcomings can be placed at your feet. And as you receive them on that bloodstained cross, we are grateful, Father, that in return, we find forgiveness, and we find restoration and reconciliation. We find in you those things that we cannot find anywhere else, and we know that that power runs deep, and we thank you that though darkness tries to do its very best to undo the goodness of your creation, that power of a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb are just a counterforce against that, that power that enables us in your kingdom to prevail against those forces. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for establishing us as your people, for giving us an identity as your children. 
We thank you, Father, that you have claimed us and you have transferred us from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of light. And these are realities that we don't think about when things are going well, but when things are going in a, in a, in a very unpredictable way, we trust that that identity is secure and established. We trust that as we go through each day, that your grace is sufficient. We trust that as we face whatever it is that is unknown and precarious and in an economy that is uncertain, that the economy of your kingdom is a sustaining force each and every day, that you will not let your children starve, you will provide our daily bread, and you will give us that hope that cannot be found anywhere else. And so, Father, I just pray for our people that they could know these realities, these promises, these truths that define our existence as we live under the dominion of your kingdom. And I thank you, Father, for the peace that passes all understanding, that living within the, the, the boundaries of, of, of that sphere of existence that keeps us in a place where we are challenged, we are hard-pressed, we at times are perplexed, but we are not shaken because you are our God, and we thank you, Father. I thank you for everyone that's able to join us here physically, and for those here in spirit, Father, I thank you that as they, in, uh, within the constraints of, of, of their own circumstances, they are able to take that spiritual reality and use it to define themselves in whatever it is that they are facing and whatever it is that is provoking fear. We thank you, Father, that in all of these realms, seen and unseen, you are present. Father, I just want to lift up pastorally the, the needs that have been brought before us. I am so thankful that as you have been faithful in, in each of these lives in the past, you will continue to, to be faithful to the very end. And so I just want to lift up uh, Peg and Kay and others that we have who are shut-ins, that you would give them a spirit of encouragement, that your voice would be heard in their lives when they are unable to hear other voices, and they would know that you are with them. I pray, Father, for uh, our, our friends like Jack Leeper, who's going in for a very critical surgery this Wednesday, and I pray that you would bless it and just restore his health and make him whole. I pray for... Uh, Mark and for Lee as they go in for surgeries for knee and hip replacement that you would bless that as well I pray Father for um, those that uh, are expanding their families through the miracle of childbirth like Rich and, and Adrian Capel I just thank you Father for their faith and how you've uh, been a presence in their home and the blessing of this new life, that this life could, uh, could thrive. Father, as we lift these things up to you, we also want to pray for uh, our community as teachers are preparing to go back into the classrooms or teach online. I pray, Father, that you help them to be able to know the path and the expectations and the responsibilities so they're not just wandering in confusion and being demoralized. I pray, Father, that those things could be uh, laid out so that the task of education can be done in, a, in an effective way. I pray, Father, for those who have to make decisions that impact a variety of people, whether they are administrators or whether they are, are just people that are responsible for communities, especially ours. I pray, Father, that they have your wisdom I pray for our elders as we think about our role and our mission and responsibility, that you give us that vision that we need for the moment so that we can move into those things that you are prioritizing and that we would not be seen as people that just simply have our own mind and our own way and our own track. And if it works out, we'll do what you call us to do, but rather help us to be on board with the kingdom agenda that Jesus set into motion when he began his, his work here on earth. We thank you, Father, that <clears throat> as these realities are coming to the surface, that you have 
discipled us and enabled us to be able to walk in them and to see through the eyes of faith. Father, as we just lift these things up to you, we want to align once again with your priorities and your agenda as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, that was almost a sermon, wasn't it? <laughs> Should just take up an offering now and call it a day, huh? Well, I'll, uh, I'll try to provide something a little different uh, as we go into the message time. We are, um, we are experiencing uh, uh, what, 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 what I would call in this series uh, virtually reality as we go through the parables. Uh, the parables are stories that Jesus taught that typically had a singular point, but sometimes there were sidebars. And as Jesus taught them, he was trying to reveal to, to those who otherwise wouldn't care to listen, uh, but through the, through the medium of story, couldn't help but hear it, the things that are on his mind and his heart that he wanted to bring to bear on the lives of the people that he was dropped into. Now, when you, when you go to tell a story, uh, it, it is one thing, but when you're just kind of told, like I often do, how it is that the Bible says we should live, it is easy to check out. I get it. And in the moment that we're in right now, Perhaps um, it's easy to be distracted, or maybe you're like me, you're asking questions like, why? You know, we, had a, we have several of those right now going on in our, in our lives. A couple of kids who are uh, redirected in their calling and vocation, coming back home and thinking, why? Why, after all this training, am I doing this? I thought we had moved on to something else. When I was cooking bratwursts, brat, bratwursts and hamburgers last night, I'm like, why am I put, cooking a box of 12 bratwursts when usually Manny and I just have two? Why? So we're trying to escape, and we were planning on going and visiting with a niece in Hawaii who said we could stay there for free, Airline tickets were cheap, and we said, well, why not until the tickets that we purchased um, were refunded by Alaska Air because they said, we're not going, and you're not going either. And my wife is like, why? <laughs> we just don't know, do we, sometimes, why the craziness is prevailing in the way that it is. And we certainly can't predict what next week is going to bring, can we? And so how do we respond to all of that? Because if you're like me, you're used to things being somewhat predictable, right? You know, people driving on the right side of the road versus the wrong side of the road, being able to purchase airline tickets and travel wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go, going to school and learning a trade or a vocation and then thinking that the next logical step is I'm going to move into uh, this role and begin to define what my responsibility is as I've been equipped and find joy. And there are so many things that are being impacted in your life and mine where we can't really even know what the rules are anymore. And I don't know about you, but uh, I, I find that l less than satisfying. I, I had a normal thing happen yesterday, believe it or not. It was predictable. <clears throat> and I was grateful for it. <clears throat> I, did, I did a wedding, and... 
it was so nice because I knew exactly what I needed to do. I needed to get the family and the party together. We needed to talk about the process of what a wedding would look like as it unfolded. And then um, everybody knew their role and their responsibility. And it was so nice because it was just a clear-cut way of engaging with one little slice of reality. The next day, the wedding happens. Nothing catches on fire. No rings are dropped down um, uh, vent returns. No uh, brides are tripping over their gown. It just goes like clockwork. And I was driving home, and I just felt so good. Because I'm like, why am I feeling so good? I even heard a song on the radio, and it took me back to the 80s. I know you guys don't know the 80s. Some of you guys don't. Other guys are like, yeah, I remember the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s. But I'm like, it took me back to that moment, and I was just filled with so much joy. And I got home, and I thought, why am I so undistracted by the weight of the uncertainty of the moment. And I told my wife, it was because I finally was able to do something relatively normal for a change. And I have to think that I'm not the only one who's feeling it. Because when you have a role in a in a group or anything that is important to you, whether it's an organization, a family, a church, whatever, and you know what the expectations are, and they're pretty clearly defined, and then you can do that job responsibly, and after you get done, you feel a sense of esteem, don't you? Because you're like, I did what I was called to do, I understood what it was, and I was able to do it in a way that I think was satisfactory for the goals of that group that we were part of. Whether it's a pastor officiating a wedding, or whether it is any of the things that you guys do in your world that you are called to do in this moment, that you derive so much fulfillment from. But if you can't do it in that way, you're frustrated. Well, Imagine being God, who actually created this world in such a way that if everyone would basically understand who they were in his eyes as his children, what they were called to do as people made in his image, but very unique in who each of us are in our capabilities and capacities, and then we were all just able to walk into it. Whether you're like my son Christian who enjoys plants and all things botanical or my daughter who enjoys coding and figuring out how to make robotic arms do what they're supposed to do and even perhaps in a mischievous moment wiring in some code that makes them do things that maybe they're not exactly supposed to do but could be funny. And when you're able to do those things I think God is just smiling because he's saying, I made you for that. I made you for that. And that leads me into the story that I want to share. It is from Luke chapter 7. And it is a series of parables that Jesus told. And this one actually is in a social setting where society has determined who can do what under, under certain conditions, almost to the point of demoralizing most of the people. And in Luke 7, we read a story about Jesus. Um, well, you know what? I don't know if we can put it up there or not. But, it, but if you turn with me, there it is. Okay. So I'll, because it's a story, I'll just read it, and then hopefully we can comment just a little. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life 
learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would, not, he would, would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender, a.k.a. Bankster. One owed him 500 denarii. That's about, uh, that's about 20 months' worth of wages. And the other one, 50, about two months' worth of wages. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Now, there's a lot of things going on in the stories that Jesus tells us. And one of the things that's happening here is the fact that the religious people who should be the first in line when it comes to forgiveness and grace and being a signpost to all things that have to do with the heart of God had worked themselves into a place where they had defined themselves mostly in opposition to how bad everybody else is. And so their primary concern was we at least have dedicated ourselves to the cause and purpose of God. We read the scriptures daily, we perform our rituals faithfully, and no one can say that we are not truly devout, committed, religious people. And in their minds, they had defined what their expectations were. They had defined what their role was. They had defined what they thought would bring them a sense of esteem through a set of rules that they also defined. And for them, it was working. But for her, for some strange reason, not so much. I mean, the Bible even says she was a sinner. Now, we're not talking about chewing tobacco, binge-watching Netflix movies, or anything else that you might imagine as a way of preoccupying yourself in an unhealthy way. We're basically talking about a person who has wandered off the path entirely. But the problem in her world was the path that she had been given essentially gave her no choice. Now, a lot of people comment on her life and they say she was probably a prostitute. And we imagine that as being, well, that, that has to be the worst of what would be a, a despicable sin. But if you could just ask another question behind the question, why did she have to prostitute herself in the first place? Now, that's assuming a lot about this, this individual, but this is the case in a number of occasions that Jesus encounters people. 
when he sees them, he realizes that in order to be gainfully employed, they have to sell their body. And you know, from God's point of view, he's saying, that ain't right. She needs to be transformed by something and changed into something different. Now, what do you think God's original vision for her happened to be? If you go all the way back to the beginning of, 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 of the storyline of the Bible, you find that establishing the garden were men, male and female, given the divine responsibility of being co-stewards over all of creation. They were vice regents. They were, they were basically assigned the highest role and responsibility and privilege over what God had deemed very good. In essence, she was a queen. And the whole idea was that as God has made us for that role and established us for that responsibility, he took great pleasure in seeing man, male, and female perform that very dignified role. Well, a lot's happened since the garden. A lot's happened since they were kicked out of the promised land. A lot's happened since the time of Jesus, even. But the one thing we discover is that as Jesus is telling these stories, he's reclaiming her for the kingdom. He's reclaiming her for something far better that he is beginning to show other people that has been the vision from the very beginning. A new creation where heaven and earth come together and are fully compatible is the destiny for all of us that we read about at the end of the book. And yet here she is, broken, disconnected, and hopeless. Now that I can identify with. And that I suspect a lot of you guys can as well. Perhaps pre-Christ. pre that day you came, when you came to the realization that Jesus is a loving Savior and despite everything that I have done, he not only accepts me, he actively works to reclaim me. And the way he does that is through people that have already been reclaimed who are extremely grateful for what they have been given as well. Nothing less than the birthright that we had been given in the first place. Jesus has started, restarted a new humanity, a new Adam, and he says, I'm here to give you back your birthright. That's pretty, I know, that's got a lot of theology there. So if you said, I don't like reading theology, it's boring, it's, I, I, I'm not about that. But the fact of the matter is, it's a story. And you and I are part of it. And right now, there is a war going on that wants to dehumanize us, keep us basically shut down, living and cowering in fear and uncertainty and a lack of confidence that we don't even know if we can financially survive in what's happening here. And I think as that description just applied to the setting socially that Jesus found himself in, I'm guessing you're thinking, yeah, that kind of applies to me as well. Something happened in her soul when she heard Jesus say what he had to say. It was different. And so here's the setting. There's a Pharisee who's checking out Jesus because he's not really sure if this guy is from God and for God and in alignment with his purposes. So he invites him into his house. But he doesn't really care for him too much because in that day, hospitality being a lot different than our day, uh, you know, when you have somebody over, uh, you typically don't, you know, wash their feet. You don't, you know, kiss their feet or give them a kiss on the cheek. Um, you know, you typically don't 
do these things that seem to be very intimate gestures by our standard, but by the standards of that day, that was just a normal way of saying, I'm embracing you in my home as, an, as a fellow human being. It, what didn't, it wasn't a, a sexualized kind of gesture, but rather a way of using social convention to express, I'm glad you're here. And Jesus said, you're not really glad I'm here, are you? Because I'm kind of disrupting your world a little bit, aren't I? And what's even worse is, as you answered the question, who is going to love the moneylender that forgives it all the most, is the person who was forgiven in the greatest way possible. And he didn't even know what... Jesus was just walking circles around this guy who was so intelligent and so religiously well-equipped. He didn't even see it. He was so caught up in his own world that Jesus had to rock his world in a pretty dramatic way by pointing out the fact that the very lowest person in society had a greater response and understanding of the things of God than the most esteemed person. It was a role reversal going on here. This is, I could just go on all day, but I'm just going to leave it at this. Um, as, as this thing unfolds and forgiveness becomes the topic of the moment, I mean, just imagine this. If you have credit card debt, Chase Bank calling you up and saying, I know you owe $3,000 on your credit card and you're really having a hard time trying to pay it back. Guess what? It's your lucky day. I know you've never even considered this to be a possibility, but we at Chase Bank are feeling very magnanimous and we're just going to forgive it all. Of course, you'd say, this is some kind of trolling or spam and you'd hang up on the person because you're like, that's preposterous. And that's the point. God is so, oh, he is so longing to reclaim us that these are the preposterous things he does because he has made us for something that is important to him, and it is not in order. He has made us to be vice regents in his creation and to walk into the role and the responsibility that he has wired us for. And I honestly believe that is where we're headed in the new creation. But we just have, we're kind of at a pretty basic level, like they were as well. We're still trying to figure out, are you trustworthy? Can I really trust you in the madness of COVID-19? Can I trust you in the fear that is overwhelming me as I just go from place to place and watch uh, television program to media uh, outlets? Getting the same message over and over. All I can come away with is anxiety, unease. I trust you, God. And as we read the words of the scripture, we find unquestionably, implicitly, profoundly, he is for us. We're just a lot more misled than we realize. We're farther off the path than we know. You ever been hiking and got lost hiking in the woods? And then all of a sudden you realized, oh, we were just like 20 yards away from the path. But it seemed like a million. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is not far away. Not as far as you think. Not as far as the bar that the religious leaders have put up for you to obtain.
it's pretty close. So the gratitude that welled up in her heart was the result of the realization that in fact it was pretty close. Obviously, very close. Clearly, this man is from God. And her whole being said, that is my way. Now, when you dump a bottle of nard on somebody's feet, which first of all, anybody in the room know what nard is? Okay. Anybody anoint anybody's feet with any kind of perfume? Not in a weird way. Anybody have any idea what is going on here? Scholars have said that the perfume that she used was actually used for anointing uh, bodies when they died and other very significant life moments that people go through. That the amount of perfume that she had was actually a year's wages. So imagine being a prostitute who had very little resources, but somehow she managed to get this. I'm not even sure how this all came together. Other than in her mind, he was so convinced and overwhelmed by the prospect that the Son of God was in her midst that she took everything that she had and said, I'm going to use this for him. Now, what's the, what's the takeaway from this real quickly? Everything that we do here in church works best out of gratitude. When we are in a place where we are overflowing with thankfulness, I believe it's a prime indicator of how healthy your relationship is with God. Did you catch that? Thankfulness is a leading indicator for how healthy your relationship is with God. It's a way of saying, I trust him, and he's come through, and I'm grateful. Gratitude is one of those things that we tend to not really prioritize. But G.K. Chesterton, who was a famous novelist mid, early and mid-20th century, wrote a lot of books and was read by a lot of people for a long time. He was asked one time what his most important lesson in life was. And he said, you know, I've had a lot of things to talk about and a lot of things to write and a lot of opinions about a lot of things. But this was the critical factor for me. And that is, in the life that you live, do you respond to the things in your world in a spirit that takes them for granted? Or do you take everything that you have been given and respond with gratitude? I think one of the best ways to get through COVID crazy is to spend some time just being grateful. Obviously, there are other responses that the circumstances warrant. But at the end of the day, just like God was in the business of reclaiming this woman who was so far off the path, God is in the business of reclaiming each of your lives, and mine as well, and he's not going to let up until it's done. Not only that, he's in the business of reclaiming this world. It may appear that evil's getting the upper hand. And the order as we've known it is being thrown into disarray. But I can assure you this. God is at work as well. And we got to stay grounded in him. We got to stay focused on our identity in him. We got to keep the word alive in our hearts. We have to recognize that we need each other in the process. 
she discovered it. He, however, had a lot of religious business as usual to attend to. And he said, I'm out. The Bible has a wonderful way of keeping religious people in check if you read it through the lens and the heart of Jesus and his kingdom agenda. Would you bow with me? Father, as we just come to this third installment of our, our, our trip through all the parables that we're going to be looking at, we want to just stop and express gratitude to you for what you've done for each of us. Father, we know our lives would be fraught with turmoil and anxiety and fear and guilt and condemnation and sin because those are things that the deceiver wants us to be so caught up with that we're dehumanized to a point where we don't even know who we are. And yet, Father, in that state, you sent us your son, and he said and says and will continue to say, you are forgiven. Go and sin no more and move into the light and the way and the life that I'm calling you to live. I thank you, Father, that you have done that for me. I thank you that you have done that for those in the room and those online who have accepted you as Lord and Savior and have been transferred out of that kingdom of darkness and into your wonderful kingdom of light and life and everything that you've intended for us to begin with. I pray that your peace and your grace and your love and your mercy and your forgiveness would prevail upon your people. And then I pray, Father, that we would not have a heart of the religious leaders that in so many ways were so lost themselves, but a heart like this woman who began to see life come online with you, be restored and transformed into the life that she's been called to be from the very beginning. May we experience that as well as we embrace your word in our hearts and we trust our lives with you in Jesus' name. into our communion time. If you're from a higher church tradition, typically this will be called the Eucharist, which is just a very fancy way of saying Thanksgiving, believe it or not. It's a Thanksgiving meal. And so I want you to take this loaf and this cup if you've received it, and if not, we have them out back on the table. And the best way to do it, of course, is to just try to peel the whole thing off without spilling it on yourself. You're going to get good at this before we're all done, I'm sure. Some more gooder than others. And as you do that, be thankful that you could just do that. And then after you do that, we look at the loaf, which is the bread that's broken for us. And the juice, which is blood spilled for us, with emphasis on the for us. Isn't it wonderful to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be put right? Thank him for whatever it is that he has placed upon your heart that's welling up inside of you as we take the loaf and the cup together. bless this time of fellowship around your table in the way that we've done it in spirit we thank you that you are the hospitable one who invited us may that same spirit be in us as we see your creation lost and off track and our calling and our vocation and the expectation and the responsibility 
being such that we're open to you working through us. Please do so as we come to you in a spirit of gratitude and offer our lives for ministry, however it is that you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand as we close.
us to grow, to be better servants, um, just better children in a better church. We love you. We praise you. Uh, just pray for everybody as we go from this place, God. Pray for uh, protection for them, for health. Um, and just uh, bring us back for you next week. We love you. Amen. Go out and don't get sunburned.